I'd like to uh, say along with Alex a warm invitation to all who are visiting with us today. We're thankful to be able to celebrate uh, the gospel in the story of baptism, and I know that there are friends and family of those who are being baptized. Uh, warm welcome. There may be some online as well. We want to welcome you. Uh, thankful that we can have this time together to celebrate his goodness. This morning will be a little different because we're going to travel through uh, a number of passages, and I am going to try to be as brief as I can uh, because uh, we want to give time for testimony and then for the baptisms, uh, and then we trust that you'll be able to fellowship, uh, just enjoy one another's company afterwards. I think when it comes to the matter of baptism, uh, there can be many questions that surround uh, what baptism is. It might even appear a little strange to you. You might walk in here for the first time and even ask the question, what is baptism? I've never actually heard the word. Uh, I don't know why you have um, what looks like to be a tub up front. It doesn't, um, I am uh, completely unaware of what baptism is. So baptism may be a foreign word to you. Uh, you might say, well, that's just church language. Uh, so we're glad that you're able to be here and experience and witness a baptism. For others, you may have a different understanding of what baptism is. Uh, some questions may arise as to why uh, we do not baptize infants. Or others might ask the question, isn't this a bit of a rebaptism rather than a baptism? In other words, we come at it from different perspectives, uh, or we may come at it from a completely, uh, being a completely foreign word. Uh, what I want to do this morning is take a few passages you're going to please excuse my, what I hope is brevity. Um, it's not meant to be stark or blunt. It's just meant to take advantage of the time that we have. This is what I want to work with this morning as we go through these various passages. The story of baptism unfolds and celebrates the gospel story. Whatever story is told in uh, the going under the water and coming up out of the water, it is ultimately a story of the gospel. And so our purpose here. Our heart here is to celebrate God, the triune God, the gospel, as we witness it in the silent story of baptism. So I'm just going to go through three questions. Under the second question, uh, we'll have four parts. Under the third question, we'll have two parts. Uh, and we will just try to answer some of these questions as to why we celebrate the gospel story and how the story of baptism unfolds and celebrates the gospel story. First of all, we can ask the question, why do we baptize by immersion? Why do we baptize by immersion? Why do we dump underwater, dunk underwater, and come up out of water? Interestingly, in the New Testament, the word baptism is not translated. If you're to say the word baptism, you're actually speaking New Testament Greek. The word baptism was never translated in the New Testament. Um, it is a Greek word. It was transliterated. The primary definition or the primary meaning of, uh, of the word baptism is immersion. If you wanted uh, sprinkling or if you wanted uh, to, or to um, pour, there are Greek words very specific for sprinkling and for pouring. So every time the word baptism is used, and if we say we baptize by immersion, we're actually repeating ourselves. If we were to translate the word baptism, we are immersing by immersion. So... The other Greek words used for pouring and sprinkling are not used for baptism, so um, that's why we have a baptism by immersion, or we seek to immerse by immersion. The second question that may come up is, why is baptism so significant? Why is baptism so significant? And that's why we start off with Matthew chapter 28, 
uh, this morning. Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. And one of the things I love about this passage is in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Isn't that amazing? After the entire ministry of Jesus, some were uh, worship, some worshipped and some doubted. In other words, I think what we can uh, say is that even those who are being baptized, it's not a testimony that they have their whole life together. It's not a testimony that they're strong. It's not a testimony that they're systematic theologians and they want to go and take the word throughout the world. They're, they're human. They're, there's a sense of the greatness of God, but then there's a sense of uh, the immensity of the call of Christ on their life. So when we come to uh, why baptism is significant, first of all, simply because it is a command from our risen Lord. It is a command from our risen Lord. If we were to uh, look at Matthew 28, these verses, you would know that the main verb is to make disciples. So that's the main focus. How do we make disciples? We do three things. We go, we baptize disciples, and then we teach disciples. So that's why uh, some will come and they will know very little about Christianity, but they will know that Jesus is their Savior and their Lord and their uh, heart's desire is to be baptized like we'd read in the book of Acts of the Ethiopian who got uh, baptized. I don't think anybody this morning would say, well, we don't need to go. I don't think anybody today would say, well, we don't need to teach we don't, we don't need to teach uh, them to observe everything that God commanded. And that lends weight to uh, the word baptism in this passage as well. We're not going to say, well, we don't need to go into the nations. That's not important. We're not going to say, well, teaching is not important. That's very significant. So when we think about baptism, baptism is as significant as going as uh, teaching so that disciples are made. In fact, the next passage that we're going to look at in Acts chapter 2, it actually asks the most important question that you will ever ask. Peter has preached his first sermon in Acts 2, and he is talking about the risen Savior who has come for the forgiveness of sins, and that they were the ones who crucified him. Our sins crucified Christ. And out of that, they say, what should we do? In other words, what do I do with this person, Jesus? What do I do with this person, Jesus? And Peter's first response is repent and be baptized. That's the importance of baptism. Because baptism is a command. So this morning, those who are being baptized are following the command of our risen Savior that after repentance comes baptism. Now you will know that baptism and faith are, the, are two sides of the same coin. You can't tear apart a coin. You can't tear apart uh, faith and repentance. So when you go through the book of Acts, every time that baptism is used, it's connected with either faith or uh, repentance, or it's connected with something to do with cleansing. So all those who have, had, or who have faith in Jesus Christ, who have repented, were baptized. This inner work of grace, this work through the Father, uh, of the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, is a response of repentance and then the obedience of the command to be baptized. That leads us to uh, a second reason why baptism is so significant, and that's found in Acts chapter 2. And this is the passage that we talk about where Jesus has uh, just spoken, or Peter has just spoken the gospel. He said things like, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Or he says, uh, quoting the Old Testament, you have revealed the path of life to me, and you will fill me with gladness in your presence. You can imagine people's hearts being captivated by the story of Jesus, and that there's life, and that there's salvation, and that evil and Satan have been defeated, and uh, the body of Christ was not abandoned in the grave, but he rose again on the third day. And that's when the people uh, who are listening to Peter ask the question, what should we do? Peter's response is found in verse 38. Peter replied, and it should come up on the screen, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So, those who accepted his message, so, those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. What do we learn from this? We learn that the gospel story is captured in the baptism story. Why did Jesus come? He came for the forgiveness of sins. All those who repented and were baptized experienced the forgiveness of sins. When someone is being baptized, it is a celebration that they are a child of God because they have repented of their sins, put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have experienced. It is an actual experience of the forgiveness of sins. And not only does baptism speak about the forgiveness of sins, but those who are baptized receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now you may say, well, I thought the gift of the Holy Spirit was received when uh, when uh, we were saved, the moment we were saved. And it is true, the moment that you are saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. But back in the New uh, Testament, in the book of Acts, often the moment of salvation also became the moment of uh, their baptism so they could, so they could say, uh, we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is interesting, and this is part of the celebration of what happens at baptism, is because we read in verse 39, for, we pro for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. It is in this one verse, the gospel is offered to all families, all nations, who have heard the message and then repent and put their faith in Jesus. In one verse, we read everything spoken in the Old Testament is now fulfilled in the New Testament in the person of Jesus Christ, where now the promise goes beyond the people of Israel, it goes beyond the people of God, and it goes to the children of believers, and it goes to the children of unbelievers. It goes to all the nations of all the children of everyone who hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know from the promise of Abraham, Moses, David, that this promise would expand to all peoples in all nations. So Peter stands up and he says, this is for you, those who have heard, whether uh, male, female, Jew, Gentile, young or old, all those who heard that day, that promise was for them, but it's also for their children and all nations' children, and it's for all nations, all whom the Lord our God will call. Ultimately, this is the work of God. So who was baptized that day? Those who accepted his message were baptized. Those who accepted his message were baptized. In one verse, we read this great explanation 
that the story of baptism is the story of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. He has offered the forgiveness of sins, and then we have this beautiful uh, experience of the receiving of the Holy Spirit, where now we are enabled by God's grace to live out his word for his glory. The baptism of uh, those who are being baptism or biblical baptism is not just telling the story of Jesus, but it also tells the story, our story, connected to the story of Jesus. It tells our story connected to the next or to the story of Jesus. We read these words in uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Romans 6, 1 through 5. What is the importance of baptism? Paul is wrestling in Romans with those who say, well, I can uh, follow Jesus, but I can continue to sin. And so this is what Paul says. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. Why absolutely not? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. So everyone who's baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Maybe you've been found in this moment. It can be sometimes very difficult to explain the gospel clearly. Have you ever walked away from trying to explain the gospel to somebody and you say, oh, I just, I feel like I messed it up. I feel like I did more damage for the kingdom than I did uh, good. And it just seems so convoluted and so confusing. Here is one of the brilliant um, events that takes place when someone is baptized. Where we can sometimes feel like we get the gospel wrong, the story that's told in baptism never gets the gospel wrong. It is a celebration of the gospel. When we witness someone going under the water, it is this wordless picture of the story of the gospel that is clear and concise in the story of baptism. Not only do we have forgiveness, not only are all those who are baptized have the Holy Spirit, but we read of a believer's union with Christ by grace through faith. What Romans 6 is telling us is we are united with Christ. When we are baptized, it is this picture of what took place when we came to Christ that we were united with Christ. When Christ died, we died with him. We experience the blessings of what it is to die in the person of Christ. And when he is raised from the dead, we are raised with Christ. If we are raised with Christ, we receive all the blessings of this new life. We are given strength to live the Christian life in all the glory of Christ. That's why we read at the end, so we too uh, walk in newness of life. When those who are being baptized come up out of the water, they are strengthened in their faith so that in times of darkness, times when they may go through doubt or times when they're struggling, they look back and they say, when I was baptized, I was it was a picture of me united with Christ. I was baptized into his death. 
all the blessings and all the work of Christ are applied to my life, and he was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father. So whatever I do in this life, the Holy Spirit, through the work of Christ, by the grace and glory of the Father, direct my life, even in the darkest moments, that I walk in newness of life for the glory of God. In other words, it, not, it doesn't just look back and tell the story of what happened with Jesus and how we're united with him, but those blessings that took place on the cross are now the blessings in our life now and the blessings of the hope that we have for everlasting. That's why uh, we read in verse 5, for if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. The work of Jesus is effective. The work of Jesus is effective. If we have the likeness of his death, we will have the likeness of his resurrection. So, this is a new believer. Someone who comes and uh, uh, has repented, put their faith in Jesus, experienced the cleansing work of Jesus, and they say, I want to be baptized. They are telling the story publicly through the silent picture of baptism. But even more, it becomes an encouragement in their life that as they were baptized into his death, all the blessings of Christ and that death are upon them, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and then there's this new life where they walk in the newness of life so that they will be in the likeness of the resurrection to the glory of the Father. All of that is taking place in baptism. One more joyful, uh, or one more reason why baptism is so important in uh, the New Testament. Baptism is a joyful celebration and powerful declaration. Baptism is a joyful celebration and a powerful declaration. Listen to Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Listen to the family of words that surround baptism. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Baptism is ultimately important because it is this celebration and this declaration of all the hope and all the blessings that we have in Christ. As we've mentioned, even in the darkest days and most confusing moments, we can look at that family of words that surround baptism. The company of words that baptism keeps are, we are part of one body, we have one spirit, we have the hope at our calling, we are under the lordship of Jesus, we are confessing the one faith, one Father, who is, one God who is the Father, who is above all and through all and in all. Those are all words that describe the blessings of what take place at our baptism. Baptism is this expression of the entire gospel and all the gospel blessings with which we're united in Christ. And so ultimately, when someone comes up out of the water, it is the story of celebration. Now we close with this final uh, we've closed with this final question. And I know I've been rushing it, but I do want to give time for the testimonies. Why do we baptize only believers? Some will say, well, you're, you practice adult baptism. We don't practice adult baptism. We practice believer's baptism. Those who have repented and put their faith so children can be baptized. Those who have heard and repented and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, what seems to be a common question 
among those who baptize infants is, why do we ask for rebaptism? And honestly, it's a completely understandable question because those who hold to infant baptism also hold to uh, believer baptism. So you hold to infant baptism and believer baptism. So the question uh, of asking whether it's rebaptism or not makes sense if uh, one holds that understanding of baptism. For those who hold to believer baptism, the question is not about rebaptism, but the question is, is infant baptism biblical? If infant baptism is biblical, then yes, it would be a rebaptism. But if baptism is the only con- if baptism is found in the context of the application of the gospel, where one walks in obedience, flowing out of repentance and faith, then we would hold that believer baptism is a, bap- is a biblical baptism, therefore not a rebaptism. This is held because throughout the New Testament, baptism consistently, consistently connects baptism with words like faith and repentance, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, and tells us of our union with Christ. I will read two quick examples. First of all, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, for through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. Those who are baptized into Christ are clothed with Christ. All those who are baptized are clothed with Christ. And then picking up the words of Acts 2, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. Those who are baptized, you are all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. The fulfillment of Abraham's seed is found among Jew and Gentile being baptized in Christ. The next passage we find is in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. It talks about circumcision. Circumcision is often equated with baptism. Colossians 2 talks about circumcision not done with hands, but the circumcision done of Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done by hands. So whatever the circumcision of the New Testament might be, it is not ultimately fulfilled in the circumcision done by hands on children. By putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ, the circumcision done by hands is now fulfilled in the circumcision of Christ when you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Again, Romans 6. Those who have the circumcision of Christ are buried with him in baptism. They're raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So what is the final testimony? Verse 13, and when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. All those who have the uncircumcision of the flesh ultimately fulfilled not in the circumcision uh, or um, all, even ultimately baptism, but it is in the forgiveness of all of our trespasses. We also read in uh, Hebrews uh, talking about the new covenant and our sins forgiven. Everything in the Old Testament pointed to the fulfillment found in Christ. So, in understanding or seeking to understand all of this, baptism is a sign from God that signifies 
inward cleansing and the forgiveness of sins, our union with Christ, and a new life in Jesus that is given freely. We invite you to consider the call of baptism. It is a command, it is significant, it is an act of obedience, and it is the hope of enjoying and sharing in the union with Christ and the story of grace and mercy. I just want to end with what I hope is a pastoral word. We understand, I understand some here, or no, uh, we understand some here do not hold this position. We want to hold all things with grace. We want to welcome all believers. We want to welcome all those who are searching in the Lord Jesus Christ. I will say this, as uh, we journey with those in this church, that those who seek to be baptized who have come out of a paedo-baptist tradition do not seek to deny the solid foundation with which they were taught. Because parental um, teaching is important. There's nothing to deny that in what we're doing today. It is simply a celebration of obedience and the gospel. Those who were baptized are not rejecting their upbringing, they're not rejecting uh, what they were taught. They are not seeking to dishonor the beliefs of parents or grandparents. We may disagree on this issue, and they may have changed their position on, on uh, the view of baptism, but this is what we hold in common. On this subject, fully and completely, we are united for the sake of the gospel in the gospel in the glory that we have in Christ, that the Lord would settle this matter in our hearts as we seek to honor and glorify him. So we are thankful that all of us can be here today, even if baptism is strange, or even if we disagree on baptism, that we can come and say all glory to Christ and still seek to live in unity and compassion uh, together, serving our great Lord, knowing that on the final day, all things uh, will be made clear, even the things that we may not understand today. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our God and Father, thank you for baptism. Lord, we recognize differences, but we unite in Christ today. We thank you for those who will be baptized now. We thank you for their, uh, the story of baptism and that we can celebrate the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we were dead. We were lost. We had no hope. It doesn't matter our upbringing. Our heart before you was dead. Nothing. And today we talk about life. Life. And life now. Resurrected, powerful life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we talk about life everlasting. Everlasting. You rescued us from darkness. You rescued us from eternal punishment. And today, when uh, those who are baptized go under, we see the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how it connects now to our story. Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to celebrate the work of grace done in these people's lives. And we would pray for any who may not know you that today may be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.